lights. I just whatever you want. You can leave them more. This evening, I have that many devices here. I'm just hoping that I've got everything going that's meant to be going to record this um, because some folks they would be here tonight and they make sure they recorded it. One Sabbath day, and I've got uh, what I have to say this evening will be available for anybody that wants to maybe get a copy of it. Um, can I welcome you this evening uh, and can I say a sincere word of thanks? to the committee that runs this ministry here in Market Hill, uh, Christ Within. Um, we in our congregations were wanting to hold public meetings and we thought it would be better to do it in the village um, where people would maybe uh, come out more as opposed to driving all the way out to Mowan Road or out to Loch Gilly, which is where our church buildings are. Um, and so we decided we would uh, hold the meetings here and the folks here very kindly have facilitated us in relation to that. Uh, so our subject overall is help for the hurting and there's a lot of hurting people uh, in the world and certainly uh, there's hurting people in our own community and we're going to look at four different topics over the course of three nights and then on Sunday night so tonight uh, it's uh, coping with depression tomorrow night coping with a wayward child and then on Friday night coping with loneliness and then, God willing, on Sunday night, uh, up in the Ballylane Church building on the Moan Road, we're going to be dealing with coping with anxiety. So those are topics that I trust will be um, interesting and hopefully beneficial as we work our way uh, through it. Uh, the way I want to do it is uh, I want to uh, read from the Bible. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go straight into... Uh, the topic for this evening. At the end of the talk, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Um, and if you're too embarrassed to ask questions publicly, I'll be hanging about. And if you want to ask me privately, I'm more than willing to, to, to try and help you. Um, if you want further help and advice or counselling, um, then please let me know. And that can also um, be arranged. So what I want to do is I want to read from... Uh, Psalm 42, so most of you would be familiar with the, the, the Bible. Uh, if you're not, don't worry about it. In the book of Psalms, um, you have the myriad of emotions and experiences that people go through in life. It's a wonderful book uh, about life's just general experiences. And in this particular Psalm, Psalm 42, uh, the man who wrote it, uh, King David, um, uh, this, uh, sorry, it's a, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah, but it's speaking probably about the experiences of King David. And uh, hopefully what we'll see is that uh, this man uh, went through what we would term depression. Um, and I want to speak a wee bit about my own personal experience and journey through that particular illness as well. So let me read to you um, from Psalm 42. 
As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mitzar. Deep calls unto deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands a steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast out, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let me just take a moment to pray before we go into our talk, please. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this evening and we come through Jesus Christ, your Son. We know that he alone is the way, the truth and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through him. We thank you that he has opened up that way for us through his death at Calvary. And Father, as we come this evening to consider uh, a subject that is woven throughout the scriptures and that many of your own people experienced we pray that we would be given a measure of understanding of the nature of this particular illness. And more importantly, Lord, we would see the roots of it and be able to see, O oh God, how best those who are suffering from this illness can deal with it. We pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding by the help of your Holy Spirit. And the result of coming here this evening would be that it would be spiritually beneficial uh, for all who have attended. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if uh, you don't know, uh, my name is Robert Robb, and uh, I'm the minister of two congregations in the local community here, um, Belenin Reformed Presbyterian Church at Lockgilly and Ballylane Reformed Presbyterian Church just up uh, the Moan Road. Um, I've been married to Lynn for 42 years now, I'm with two children, both grown up, um, son living in America. My daughter is uh, a wife of a pastor. He's a minister of our Cookstown uh, congregation. Um, so that's just a little bit of uh, background. I'll be saying a little bit more about my own experience as we go through this talk. Uh, the subject matter for this evening is uh, something that's affecting an ever-increasing number of people in our own province. Uh, and not just in our own province here, but in fact all over Ireland and further afield. It's a condition from which more and more people uh, are being diagnosed and suffering and it's a condition that has uh, a massive impact not only upon individuals themselves but also upon their families and those who are near and dear to them friends and uh, loved ones it's been described as living constantly in a thick poisonous fog 
Another writer describes it as waterboarding of the mind and emotions. Uh, another writer says it's like living life in grayscale. And another one terms it the black dog. Uh, I have given it the title uh, A Stubborn Darkness. And the uh, reason I've given it that is because that's what it felt like at the time uh, that I was going through it. Um, the condition, of course, of which I'm speaking is depression. And the reason I've been asked to address this subject isn't because I have any uh, silver bullet or uh, any infallible cure, um, but the reason I've taken it is because it's such a relevant subject and also because I myself uh, suffered from it very badly in the past. Uh, and maybe to make that a more accurate statement, I would say it's something that I suffered from in the past continue to be susceptible to in the present but something that I've learned to deal with and would go as far as to say learned to more or less overcome it. Um, so uh, the way I want to approach the subject is to look at it from what we see in the experience of a person in the Bible and that person is David. Also, looking at it from my own personal perspective, um, and looking at what depression is, what causes it, and how you deal with it. Uh, so that's more or less the roadmap that we we'll have for this evening. Uh, in verse 5 of Psalm 42, the writer says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me. Now, most Bible scholars believe that these words were written for the sons of Korah, but that they were written by King David. And they were written at a time in David's life, if you can put yourself in his shoes. He was king of Israel. Everything was going well in the nation. Uh, but there was a real problem. And that problem was that one of the members of David's family, in fact his son Absalom, he decided that he wanted to take over as king. And as a result of that, we'll talk about a little bit more about that later on, but as a result of that, David literally had to flee for his life out of Jerusalem, which is where the palace was. So you have this man who was king, enjoying all the benefits of being king, and suddenly he finds himself on the run because his son his own son wants to kill him. Um, and he's away from Jerusalem. He's experiencing life very difficult. And that's why he writes this psalm. And before I go on, one thing I would say is this. You know, some people say that if you become a Christian, everything in your life is brilliant. Um, and Christians don't go through hardships and trials and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches uh, the Bible teaches man is born under trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. In other words, all of us experience hardships and suffering and pain and distress and all kinds of things. And David, together with others in the Bible, experienced what we call depression. So don't for one minute think that Christians get a certificate of immunity from suffering in the world. They don't. Uh, some of the greatest saints in this world suffered greatly.
But getting back to the psalm, I want you to notice the condition that the psalmist describes here. He speaks about being cast down. Now, don't forget, this Psalm 42 is a poem. So he's using poetry. It's it's images. It's pictures. Okay? He talks about being cast down. He talks about being in turmoil within me. Verse 5. In verse 7, he says this, All your breakers and waves have gone over me. In other words, it's as if the sea is just coming in on top of him. In verse 3, he says, His tears have been his food day and night. In verse 9, he feels forgotten by God. Why have you forgotten me? In the same verse, he talks about going about mourning. Now, what you have here is a person who is in a very dark place at this point in his life. He speaks about being in turmoil within himself. Other translations have disturbed within me. In other words, he didn't have any inner peace. His feelings, his emotions, they were all over the place. The word that's used here is the same word that's used of an animal continually growling and murmuring. He's probably referring here to the inner sighs of his soul, the moans that are going on all the time inside him. He also can't seem to stop crying. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. He can't control his emotions. The slightest thing causes him to weep. And there's probably a hint too too here that he's off his food. That he doesn't feel like eating anything. He says his tears have become his food. It's as if he's saying, I don't feel like eating, I just feel like crying all the time. When he says he's cast down, he's probably pointing to the fact that he feels completely whacked. Completely worn out. No energy, utterly fatigued, completely flat. He's a man for whom the spark has gone out of his life. And he also feels completely overwhelmed with things. That's what he's saying in verse 7. Deep calls unto deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He feels completely engulfed with the situation in life that he's facing. The reference to waterfalls there is noteworthy. Uh, it's very nice to stand and look at a waterfall. We all, you know, take pictures and all of it and this sort of stuff. But if you were standing at the bottom of a waterfall and those breakers were falling over you all the time without ceasing, well, you'd be worn out. In fact, stones at the bottom of a waterfall are very, very smooth and that's as a result of the water continually coming and falling upon them. As well as that, he feels forgotten. Verse 9. Uh, and if you were going to go into Psalm 43, which actually in the Hebrew Bible is a continuation of Psalm 42. The two Psalms are actually one in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, there in verse 2, he says he feels rejected. So in other words, he feels as though he's like a child who's been abandoned. Or like a lover who's been jilted by their fiance. He also talks about mourning, uh, and the same word is used of somebody who has just been bereaved. 
So all of this is how he feels. And quite frankly, it is grim. It's horrible, he says, to feel like this. On the 7th of September, 1990, I was ordained and installed in my first congregation in the Reformed Presbyterian Church as a minister. That was in Dramara, not too far from here. I had studied for four years in order to get to that stage in my life. One year at Further Education College to do two A-levels in order to get the necessary qualifications to go into a theological college, which I did. Uh, I did that while I kept my milk business going. I was a milkman, one of these guys that run about at 4 o'clock in the morning setting milk bottles down at people's doors, you know. So that's, that's what I did for 11 years um, after I left the building trade. Uh, I was married and I had two children at the time. Uh, I was up at 4 a.m. working in the milk until about 8.15, 8.30, in the college for 9.30, working in college from 9.30 through until 3.30, coming home, homeworks to do, preaching every weekend, um, uh, learning languages that I hadn't a clue about, Greek and Hebrew, all that, and that went on for four years, solid. Uh, on the 7th of September, I achieved what I had wanted to achieve. I'd become a minister. It was my dream. It's what I believed God was calling me to do. That Christmas, 1990, we invited my wife's parents to stay with us. We were living in a manse, uh, a massive manse. Uh, I live in a manse at the minute out uh, at Thrones Ditches, and that's a brave size of a building. This manse was even bigger. Um, and, I mean, we couldn't believe living in a house like that. I come from a two-up, two-down house in Belfast um, and we had five bedrooms three bathrooms <laughs> so we invited the mother-in-law and father-in-law down to stay with us for Christmas and we had a lovely Christmas it was really really good they went home on Boxing Day afternoon and within 10 minutes of them going home I was upstairs lying on my bed crying my eyes out um, my wife thought it was probably exhaustion uh, the first four months in Dramara had been extremely intense and not tied on to the fact that I had been working like mad for four years burning the candle at both ends. Uh, I was continually weeping. I was deeply anxious. Uh, I couldn't face anybody. If the doorbell rang, I ran up the stairs into one of the bathrooms, locked the door and held myself in the fetal position until that person went away. My wife answered the door and told them, you know, I couldn't see anybody. Uh, I couldn't uh, face anybody. I felt a complete failure. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go on in the ministry. Um, and I felt I let my wife down. I let my kids down. I let the church down that called me. Uh, a minister only four months and it looked like he was going to end up having to resign. Um, I lost a lot of weight inside a very short period of time. I contemplated suicide. Uh, even working out how I could kill myself so that it didn't look like suicide, so that my wife would get the insurance. That's where I was back in 1990. Um, I can identify with what the psalmist is describing here. Uh, the doctor that I attended diagnosed that I was severely, chronically depressed, and I was manifesting some of the classic symptoms so 
I want to make some general observations about depression and move on to the symptoms. Depression is the number one psychological disorder in the Western world. By 2020, I did this a few years ago, 2020 has passed now. It was said to be the second most debilitating condition in the world after heart disease. Ireland has the highest rate of chronic depression in all of Europe. These statistics are still relevant. It affects people from every walk of life and every nationality. It's not as if it just affects people who are poor and can't make ends meet. It doesn't. It affects every walk of life. There's been a tenfold increase in depression since 1945. And as I'm sure you're aware, antidepressants are the most prescribed drugs by GPs, with 71 million prescriptions being written in 2018. uh, And it doubles almost every decade. Uh, In England, the cost to the National Health Service is 9 billion pounds per year. Uh, That's lost work and all that sort of thing in the cost of the economy. What you have to remember is that depression is a symptom of a deeper problem. Okay, we'll come back to that later. It's also a major cause of suicide and there is a clear link between alcohol and uh, depression, alcohol intake and depression. What are some of the symptoms of depression? Well, I went to a doctor in that state that I described in 1990, and he very, very quickly diagnosed me as having depression. If you were to go to the doctor, and if you had some of these, three or four of these symptoms, and you had them over a prolonged period of time, four to six weeks, and that this was different from what you're normally experiencing, in other words, you've been fine, and then all of a sudden you have these symptoms, your doctor will probably diagnose you as having uh, depression. Feelings of profound lethargy. Uh, No interest in doing anything. Uh, I was like that uh, in December uh, 1990 and thereafter. Lack of energy. You just can't do anything. Uh, Your energy levels just fall to nearly zero. Uh, broken sleep patterns. You're really, really tired, but you're unable to sleep. Very often waking up in the middle of the night. You either have insomnia or hypersomnia. Insomnia is lack of sleep or hypersomnia is sleeping all the time. Um, unable to concentrate on things. One of the things that I love doing is reading. And at that period of time, I couldn't have read a page. Uh, the book was there and your eyes were moving, but you weren't taking a thing in. Same with TV. The TV may have been on, but really you you weren't able to take in what was going on. You couldn't concentrate. Uh, Irritability. My wife would say that depression didn't really change that. (laughs) Um, But it's usually increased. Um, Feelings of despair. This is an overwhelming feeling that the individual has, that things are awful and they will never, ever get better. And people say, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. The depressive will say, yeah, that's a train that's coming to run me over. Um, Heightened state of anxiety. Um, I'll be speaking about anxiety on Sunday night. But yes, I mean, as I said, if you take it with panic attacks, if somebody came and rang the doorbell, I immediately ran up the stairs and hid in the bathroom and held myself until I knew they were away. If the phone rang, you know, you didn't want to answer it. My wife was left to do absolutely 
everything. Sense of hopelessness and despair, low self-esteem is a is a very characteristic uh, 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 symptom. Um, I, I thought I was the worst father in the world, the worst husband in the world, and the worst minister in the world, and you couldn't have told me any different at the time. Uh, weight loss or weight gain. Some people lose a lot of weight, just won't eat anything. Other people comfort eat. Uh, down to the fridge and eat their third Mars bar of the day before they even have their breakfast, you know, that sort of way. Uh, not wanting to go out. Uh, that's one of the things that a depressive doesn't want to go out. They want to stay in the house. No good saying to them, do you want to go for a cup of coffee? No. Do you want to go for a walk? No. Loss of pleasure in activities in life that they used to get pleasure in. Not wanting to meet people, easily moved to tears. I used to be uh, the sort of person who was not easily moved to tears. Uh, it's like getting blood out of a stone nearly to get me to weep. Uh, from 1990, the slightest thing would make me weep. Uh, and certainly over that period, I was just an emotional wreck, crying all the time. And it's weary, fearful. You're full of fear. What's going to happen if you live your life in the if syndrome? Uh, what am I going to do if I have to leave the ministry? How am I going to uh, look after my family? Where are we going to live? Because we'd moved into a manse, we'd sold our house in Belfast, we had nowhere to go. Fear overtakes you. And a profound sense of guilt. And I did feel guilty. This was all my fault, hence the suicide thoughts. Be better off without me. Yes, my wife would be sad, but she was still relatively young at that time. And after a few years, she'd get over it and maybe get herself another husband. And I'd do it in such a way that she'd have enough money to make sure the house was paid off for that, or for the bar house or whatever. All those things go through your mind because you feel a profound sense of guilt. This is my fault that I'm like this. So if a person is displaying three or four of those symptoms over a period of three to six weeks, and that's different from what their normal experience of life was, the doctor will diagnose you as having depression. But before we move on, let me give you a definition of depression. We're talking about depression. What is depression? Depression isn't having an off day when you're feeling down or when you're under pressure to the extent that you feel you can't cope. That's not depression. It's not feeling sad or fatigued for a few days. We hear people saying, I was a bit depressed yesterday. Or, I'm not feeling so well today, I'm just a bit depressed. Folks, that's not depression. Depression is much more serious than that. Uh, here's how I would define depression. Depression is an ongoing, perpetual, debilitating mood where the individual is overcome with feelings of emptiness, inadequacy, worthlessness, despair and hopelessness, causing life to seem pointless, joyless, a burden, with the result, with the result that the person stops being able to properly handle life and its daily responsibilities. That's what depression looks like and feels like. And that's the condition that this man and this psalm is talking about. 
So that brings us on to the second question. Now the second point, the question the psalmist asks. And it's a very simple question. He says, why? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Now that he was cast down, that he was depressed, there's no doubt. The question is, why? Well, for, for David, the answer was relatively simple. He was depressed because of the way he was responding to changed circumstances in his life. As I said, he had been king. He lived in a palace. He had everything he wanted. Everything in the garden of life was rosy. But then he ran into family problems. And his family problem was his son wanted him dead so that he could become king. And he didn't just want him dead. He was going to kill him. And because of that, David knew he would have to flee because Absalom had got a lot of support within the city of Jerusalem and so from living in the palace being the king life being great David becomes a fugitive and he's on the run and he's hiding in caves and he's eating whatever he can get his hands on life has gone pear-shaped for him it's taken a real turn for the worse. His whole life has been turned upside down by events in his own family. And for a very spiritual man like David, one of the worst things was that because he was on the run, he couldn't go back to Jerusalem, which is where the tabernacle was and where God was worshipped. And he couldn't go to worship with God's people. And that was a big, big loss to this man. And that, on top of everything else, pushed David to the limits and over the edge when it came to his thoughts, his feelings, his emotions and his physical and mental health. He just didn't cope. And he became, for a time, an emotional wreck. So David was experiencing depression as a result of life's circumstances. Or more accurately, he was experiencing depression on account of how he responded to life circumstances. And as someone who has experienced severe depression and has had a keen interest in this subject for well over 30 years, I wanted to discover what it was that causes depression. Every case is different. Experts cannot give a definitive answer to the question what causes depression but there are nevertheless factors and reasons that usually lie behind someone falling into a state of depression so what are those well it can be divided into two main sections first of all biological factors post viral illnesses I didn't tell you, but when I was 12, I contracted meningococcal meningitis, which, as some of you I'm sure will know, is a very, very serious illness and can be fatal. And I was taken into Beaver 
uh, Fever Hospital in Belfast. I was there for over four weeks. Uh, the night that I was taken in, another guy, uh, a bit older than me, he was put into the next cubicle. You're in cubicles and you're sealed off and anybody comes to see you, they have to put gowns and masks on, a bit like COVID, you know. Uh, the guy next to me died that night. My father was in the Territorial Army at the time and he was in Germany on manoeuvres and they had to send for him to bring him home because they didn't know if I was going to pull through. Obviously I did. <laughs> um, but it was a worrying time for my parents. Now the interesting thing is, a doctor with whom I spoke, uh, who is an expert, he said that my depression could well be something that has resulted from me having had meningitis, a post-viral illness or a post-bacterial illness, because meningitis is a bacterial uh, illness. So some people who have viral or bacterial illnesses can suffer later on in life from depression as a result of what that illness has done to them, particularly to their brain function. I'll speak about that in a minute. Brain disorders. Neurochemical malfunctioning or imbalance. So you can have a problem in your brain, maybe as a result of an accident, maybe as a result of a disease or whatever. Your brain produces in your body uh, chemicals that help to keep you emotionally balanced. One of those chemicals is serotonin. If your serotonin levels drop considerably, your mood will drop considerably. And so they reckon that if you've got a brain disorder or had a brain injury or if your post-viral uh, or your viral illness or your bacterial illness has affected your brain function in that it's not producing enough serotonin, that can be a cause of depression. Another one is hormonal imbalances. Uh, as you know, all of us have got hormones and certain times of the month, for example, a lady will have particular hormonal changes and that can cause depression. And now a big thing, experts are saying it's possible that depression has a genetic side to it. In other words, just as you can inherit other diseases off your parents, so too it's possible that depression has got a genetic and a hereditary factor. And the interesting thing is, both my son and daughter are on antidepressant medication. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> That's possibly a source of it. Lack of sleep, lack of exercise, lack of light. Some of you will have heard of the SAD syndrome. It's called Season Affected Disorder. And it kicks in in October and runs through until usually March. And the reason for that is that there's less sun. And when there's less sun, uh, you have uh, your brain not functioning and you get this sad effect. And they tell you to go and buy lights that will give you more sunlight and so on. Another thing that happens during the months between October and March is that your body produces more uh, melatonin. And melatonin is the thing that helps you to sleep. And because you're in the winter, your body produces more of that. And some people it overproduces and that can cause sort of depression. 
Now, think about it. If your depression is biological, if that's the source of your depression, if you're depressed because the serotonin levels in your body have dropped for some reason, which is usually one of the big factors whenever somebody's depressed, then if it's rooted in a person's biology, you can understand how giving medication can help and does help. And that's why there's so much medication being given. But here's the, here's the thing. Not only are there biological factors, there's also social factors, spiritual factors, situational factors, call it whatever you want. Family relationship problems. So you can have a person who's depressed because of what's going on in their family, i.e. David, King David. He wouldn't have been saying these things if what had happened with Absalom hadn't have happened. That was his family problem. But some people have family problems and it leads them to becoming depressed. A bad marriage. Going through a situation where there's a possible split, divorce, stress at work. That'll come on later. So family relationship, financial problems. Uh, We all know what it's like with the cost of living crisis. Some people are on the breadline, some people are below it, and they're wondering themselves, how am I going to cope? The oil needs need more oil. The electrics to be paid. The phones to be paid. The kids have to be fed. I have to pay the mortgage. Uh, I'm getting less hours at work, and that can lead to depression. That being on you all the time, constantly there. Stress. Usually stress comes as a result of things like family issues, as a result like happenings at work, where things at work aren't going the way they should be going, and you're put under tremendous amounts of stress. Loneliness can cause depression, especially after bereavement. Most people, whenever they're bereaved, they go through a period of mourning, rightly so. And the vast majority of people learn to cope with that. So after six months or a year, whatever period of time, they're okay. It never gets easy, but you manage. But there are some people who, as a result of bereavement, they end up being very lonely. And as a result of that, they end up deeply depressed. Abuse. I remember speaking down in the south of Ireland and a man coming up to me afterwards and saying that he had been abused by uh, his priest when he was a child. And you all know about the scandal that there's been in Roman Catholicism with child abuse within that system. And he said that for years he was depressed and that was the cause of his depression. Having to cope with that, he felt guilty when he shouldn't have been feeling guilty at all. Bereavement, we've mentioned that. Guilt. Guilt can cause depression. People knowing that they have done things that are wrong, whether it's the wife or the husband who has had an affair, as they call it. The Bible calls it committing adultery, going off with someone who's not your husband or your wife. Whether it's murdering someone, which has happened many a time in this province in the time of the Troubles, 
People have these things on their mind. They feel guilty about it. They don't talk about it. And as a result, they're depressed. Wrong priorities, setting goals in life that you're never going to achieve, and you're pushing for it and pushing for it, and it all gets so much, and then it all comes down on top of you, and you're depressed all about it. And then alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, Alcohol is not a stimulant. It's a depressant. And anybody who has been taking alcohol to try and deal with depression will tell you it doesn't work, it only makes things worse. So these are situational factors. Now here's the thing. There was a study carried out in America a number of years ago and people who were suffering from depression were examined and it was discovered that around 75% of those who suffered from depression suffered as a result of situational factors in their life not biological now think about that for a minute if the cause of my depression is a bad relationship with my wife I've got a great relationship with my wife by the way <laughs> don't be thinking right? if it's a bad relationship with my wife give me all the tablets in the world isn't going to fix that Yes, tablets are important as a way of dealing with depression, but not if it's a situational thing. If I can't get on with my son or my daughter, and that's causing me to be depressed or causing them to be depressed, giving tablets isn't going to fix that. And yet, that's the way most depression is dealt with. problem ultimately if it's not biological doesn't lie in biology it lies in circumstances and therefore the treatment must address the circumstances now it may be that the person is so depressed that their brain has started not to function properly and their serotonin levels have fallen as well so they might need medication to help them to get to a certain point where they can deal with the situation that needs to be dealt with But at the end of the day, the situation still needs to be dealt with. I would say that having thought about this subject and studied it and dealt with people who've been experiencing depression over the last 30-odd years, depression is not caused by life's circumstances. It's caused by the way people react to life's circumstances. That's why I said earlier on, depression is a symptom, either of a biological disorder, or in most cases, a symptom of, or a reaction to a situation in your life. Don't know whether any of you know this lady here, Joni Erickson Tara, Uh, probably most of you have heard of her. Uh, Whenever she was a teenager, she dived into a pool thinking it was deep and it wasn't deep and she broke her neck and she ended up being a paraplegic Christian girl in the first days after her accident when she came round and was in hospital she was very very angry at God a lot of questions why 
and her faith was really put to the test. But after a number of days, she came to realise, I cannot do anything about my circumstances. I can't change the fact that I'm now a paraplegic. But I can change the way I react to my circumstances. And she found her faith in God again. And she has become a best-selling author all over the world, a motivational speaker, and a great Christian witness. She could very easily have become depressed. She could very easily have become bitter because of what happened to her. The way you react to life circumstances, she decided to react in a way that would honour God and benefit her. She didn't let herself go down a road that she knew she could so easily have gone down. There is another cause, I believe, and that is a spiritual disorder. Many people suffer depression because their relationship with God isn't what it should be. Um, most people, or many people, don't understand that almost all of their problems in life stem from the fact that they live in a world that is broken. It's fallen. This world functions, but it's not functioning the way it's meant to. People get sick. People have illnesses. There's all kinds of terrible things happen. That's because the world that we live in is fallen. It has been impacted by sin. The world isn't the way God originally made it. If there hadn't been sin in the world, there wouldn't be things like tsunamis and earthquakes and famine and wars and disease and sickness. But we live in a broken world. And we live in a world where there's broken relationships. And the most fundamental relationship that's broken is a relationship between us and our Maker. Many people suffer the effects of sin in their own lives. Sin that they haven't acknowledged, sin that they haven't turned away from, sin that they haven't sought forgiveness for. They want to live life their own way with no thought of God who made them. No intention of submitting to God. They're a bit like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. And they're not following the maker's instructions that we find in the Bible. Men, have you ever bought anything from Ikea? You know, and you get the flat pack home and you open it up and there's a book of instructions, but we don't need the instructions. No, no. We know how to do it. We go and get our tools out and get all the stuff and put it all together and at the end of it you've got five bits left over, 14 screws left over and your bookcase is moving like this. Why? Because you didn't follow the maker's instructions. You thought, I'll do it my way. And you've ended up with something that is far from what it's meant to be. And folks, that's the way people live their lives. The maker has given instructions and they say, no, I'll do it my way. And whenever they do it their way, they get in the baller. Husbands don't treat their wives the way they should, vice versa. Children and parents in their relationship isn't what it should be. Why? Because they're not living the way the maker says they're meant to live. 
employers and employees, our neighbours, fellow human beings. That's why you've got racism, sectarianism, exploitation, drug bans, abuse, war. So many of the problems that there is in this world is because of sin. They're not doing things the way God said to do them. And that leads to stress, disillusionment, breakdown in relationships, problems at work, problems at school, abandonment, loneliness, guilt, fear, stress and depression. Much of the depression that people experience would be greatly diminished if our lives were lived the way God intended them to be lived. But that can only be done if your life is governed by God and our lives aren't governed by God unless you repent and come to God and you can only do that through Jesus Christ and only when you've got that foundation laid can you begin to build the life that God intends you to enjoy that doesn't mean that Christians never experience depression because we live in a fallen world we're not in the perfect world yet that'll come one day some Christians do experience depression and will experience depression. Their depression may be biological because they've got broken bodies because sin has affected all of us. What's the solution? There's other things I could be saying here but I'll have to leave them out because time's going on. What's the solution? That's the third thing. The solution the psalmist identifies. Look at verse 5 in Psalm 42. Uh, I'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 5 he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? So he talks to himself. Why are you like this? And then he realises what the answer is. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, my salvation and my God. As I say, time does permit me to go into this in detail, but basically, the psalmist realises his situation at the minute is grim, but what he does know is this, his situation is not outside God's control. It's not something that he himself can do anything about at the minute, but he knew that God was ultimately in control of things that happened in his life. He knew that Absalom couldn't do anything that God didn't allow him to do. And David became more and more confident that difficult though his circumstances were, God would work them out for David's good and for God's glory. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Absalom ended up being killed. David returned to Jerusalem, back to the palace, and back to his throne. The solution to many people's depression, I believe, lies in them being brought into a right relationship with God. For them to get their lives right with their maker. All their past, present and future sin forgiven. No matter how horrible those sins were. 
sins that could haunt you throughout the rest of your life, God wipes the slate clean. And those sins are no longer a burden to the individual. And once that right relationship's been established, then you've got a foundation upon which to build a life that can be enjoyed in the here and now because eternal life, people think eternal life is living forever and ever and ever after you die. It is that. But eternal life is life in all fullness begun in the here and now in this world and then perfected in the world that's to come. So you can begin to enjoy what it is to live fullness of life in the here and now. And that'll be in your relationships with each other, in the home, in the workplace, in society. Romans 8, 28 says, God is working everything together for the good of those who love him. There's a lovely verse in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stead upon you because he trusts in you. Now if you come in here this evening and you're depressed or you've come in because you've got a loved one who's depressed your depression might be the very thing to turn your thoughts to God because that's where your thoughts need to go. Maybe the very thing that causes you to think about your relationship with God because your relationship with him is broken and it needs to be fixed. And it won't be fixed by going to church and by saying prayers and by reading the Bible. It'll only be fixed by our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the spiritual side of things. Let me finish on a practical matter. How do you deal with depression? I've come up with these as a result of having gone through depression. You must really want to change. You say, well, of course anybody that's depressed wants to get better. Well, yes, but I have to say, whenever I was depressed, I was afraid of getting better. You nearly identify yourself with the disease, with the illness. If you had a broken arm and you go to a hospital and they take off the plaster and it's fixed, it's fixed. If you're depressed and the next day you're better, people will say, what was all that about then? How come, how come you're okay now? And so a person who's depressed is nearly afraid of getting better because they have identified themselves as Robert Robb who's depressed. And not to be depressed is nearly to take away who you've become. So you have to want to get better. The other thing about being depressed is this. People who are depressed, they always get a lot of sympathy. And there's some people who love to be pitied and sympathised. Um, talk to someone. You know the old BT advert, was it? You know, it's good to talk. It's not Bob Hoskins or whoever it was. Uh, it is good to talk. But you have to be open and honest whenever you are talking. Talk to somebody that you can be open and honest with. Try to discover the nature of your depression. Is it biological? Or is it you're depressed because of what's going on in your life? You have to identify the nature of it or you'll never get any healing. Identify the source. 
Deal with the source, not the symptoms. Uh, so if the source of my depression, I'll use the example again, is terrible relationship, say, with my spouse, then there's no good dealing with the symptoms. You have to deal with the source. You have to sit down with each other and say, right, we need to, we need to talk us through. We need to get this right. Stop opting out by using alcohol or drugs. They won't help you long term. Some people who are depressed think they can sort it out by going to the bottle, whether it's a bottle of poppers or whether it's a bottle of vodka or Bacardi or whatever it happens to be. Establish a disciplined routine of eating, exercise and sleeping. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are. What do you like if you don't sleep at night? You get up the next morning and you're feeling absolutely rubbish, aren't you? And if you don't sleep the next night, well, I wouldn't like to be in your house if you didn't sleep two nights in a row. We're made in such a way we need our sleep. We're made in such a way that we need exercise. We're made in such a way that we need to eat properly. And isn't it interesting that in a generation where depression is a major, major problem, we live in a generation where processed foods are eaten more than anything else these days, where you buy a meal and you stick it into the microwave. I wonder if there's a connection. You don't get people today, on the whole, you know, peeling their spuds and getting their vegetables and cooking them and so on. Oh, it's too, too busy to do that. Proper eating, proper sleeping, proper exercise, it affects your emotions. We're an intricate whole. Don't be governed by your feelings. A person who's depressed is governed by their feelings. They get up and they look and they'll see their sink full of dishes and they'll say, don't feel like washing them. And so we'll take out clean stuff and I'll, and then I'll stick that there. And then it'll all pile up. Still don't feel like doing that. person who's depressed won't go to church. Don't feel like going to church today. Do you want to go for a cup of coffee? I don't feel like going for a cup of coffee. You don't go to somebody who's depressed and say, do you want to go for a cup of coffee? You go to somebody who's depressed and say, right, come on, put your coat on. You're going for a cup of coffee with me. And you take them out. Because if you waited to see if they wanted to go, they would never want to go. And you know what happens See, whenever you do take them out? They'll say, actually, I enjoyed that. Meet with someone regularly. Reprogram your thinking. Depression is fundamentally in the mind. And you have to learn to control your mind. You have to learn to reprogram it to think the right things not the wrong things that's what Paul says in Philippians if there be any consolation in Christ there be any and he gives a big list think on these things and then the last one do things for others I had a lady in my congregation in Enniskillen and she suffered greatly from depression and she locked herself away in her house and we'd meet with anybody it was terrible sad situation another lady in the congregation she was going through family problems let's say and this lady who was depressed was very friendly with this other lady and when she realised that this other lady was going through all these problems the lady who was depressed went to her house 
cleaned her house for her, cooked for her, did her shopping for her, did all sorts of things, and for about three or four weeks, you'd thought that woman wasn't depressed at all. Why? Because she was investing in others and not thinking about herself. Whenever the lady's family problems all got sorted out, within a week, that lady was back in her house again depressed because she was thinking about herself. Instead of occupying herself doing things for others because your mind is taken off yourself then. And that's one of the problems about depression. You're thinking about yourself all the time and usually your thoughts are negative and how bad a person you are. So that's where we've got to. Uh, there are spiritual factors, there are practical factors, there are biological factors. And there's an awful lot of things that I could have said and I haven't said. I don't know whether any of you have any questions or not. If you do, feel free to stick your hand up and ask them. I'll try and answer them. If I can't give you an answer tonight, I'll go away and try and get you an answer. If you want to speak to me privately afterwards, there's a cup of tea being made and biscuits. And uh, as far as I know, you're not charging for them, so you're not? No? No? Okay, right, okay. The cup of tea and biscuits are free. And, uh, and uh, I'll be here if you do want to talk. Maybe we'll close just with a word of prayer and I'll give thanks for the cup of tea then. Father, we know that this is something that many people in our society are struggling with. Something that maybe folks here have been experiencing or have gone through. Maybe they've got loved ones, Lord, for whom this is a real issue. Father, grant that what has been said tonight will prove to be informative, that it will prove to be helpful, that it might even prove to be restorative. And we ask, Lord God, that in the time that remains tonight, that you help us to enjoy our time together, our conversation. We give you thanks for the kindness of the folks here in Christ Within in Market Hill. And we thank you for the good things that have been prepared for us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Is there any questions, folks? Uh, I'll not be recording the questions, by the way. So um, I just realised that was over an hour. Sorry, I didn't realise I was going to speak up like that time.